Hi, you're listening to Hearth and Soul. I'm your host, Angela torres Cuckoon. I'm the head chef and food manager at Spoken, a cafe in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. I'm also a professional singer and a core member and the director of operations for Forte Chicago, Chicago's only all-female opera improv and sketch comedy troupe. I'm a self-labeled foodie, a food nerd, and a history buff. I love nothing more than to nerd out about food. But enough about me. Hearth and Soul is a podcast that strives to explore nourishment, how we feed our bodies, our minds, and our souls. We cover a wide range of topics, including the everyday mundane and the celebratory. We believe that food is the one thing that connects us to each other, no matter what. So welcome to the table. Hello, you are listening to episode two in season two. Welcome, welcome everyone. Uh, before we get started, I just have a couple shout outs that I would like to do. Uh, one, I just learned that, and I may have brought this up in season one at some point, because uh, I'd read an article about Trader Joe's and their packaging. Um, we all love Trader Joe's, let's be honest, but they do have a lot of plastic. Uh, so... Someone recently, I believe it was Diane Sanfilippo, who is a nutritionist and a food author, cookbook author. She's on Instagram. You can find her. Um, If you do that, please uh, tell her, tag me, tell her that you found her through me because I would love nothing more than to connect with her in real life. She's one of my heroes. Um, But she just posted an article about how Trader Joe's is redoing their packaging to make it all more eco-friendly. Whatever's not compostable will be compostable or recyclable, which I think is really cool. So shout out to Trader Joe's. And then uh, one of my guests today, Leah, was just telling me a thing that came out six months ago, but I didn't know about it, that Costco is getting rid of anything that has bee-killing pesticides. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. Which is awesome. If you needed another reason to love Costco, there you go. I already love Costco, but now I love them even more. And if you don't have a membership, you should get one because Costco is awesome. So I don't have a lot of business or any other updates for you all today. Um, So we're going to go straight into the wine report, which uh, thanks to Leah will soon be renamed. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm not going to give that secret away yet, but, (laughs) but we will be renaming the wine report. But today I want to talk about uh, another one of the wines that I got from my Naked Wines box that I took to my family for the holidays. I know I talked about that last uh, last podcast. Uh, this one is a white wine. It's a Chris Baker Pinot Gris 2017. Uh, and the notes that I have are notes from my family who, FYI, most of my family drinks red wine. I think there are two who prefer white, my grandmother and my aunt Andrea. I'm, I'm, I I don't care. I'll drink red and white at the same time if they're in front of me. But, uh, so this one didn't have, uh, some people felt it was too sweet, but the notes that I have are that it is really sweet at first, but it doesn't finish very sweet, if that makes a lot of sense. And if you're putting it in the same realm as regular, like dinner table wines, white wines, it's very sweet. Um, not as sweet as a Riesling, but close. According to my Uncle Ken, it'll put you in a ditch, which is what he says about anything that's too sweet that can, you know, give you a wicked hangover the next day. But, you know, 
Uncle Ken doesn't even drink whiskey. So I, I don't know how much stock I put in that as a whiskey drinker myself. Um, and I know my aunt Andrea is going to listen to this and laugh. So you're welcome for that, Andrea. Uh, yeah. So Chris Baker, Pinot Gris, it was okay. It was sweet. Maybe something I would drink after dinner as opposed to with dinner. It was, I didn't think it was too sweet. I don't think it was like a dessert wine, so I wouldn't put it in that category, but it was somewhere in between a dinner wine and a dessert wine. So that's that. And now we're going to move on. Today we're talking about Whole30. And I have two lovely guests with me who have done the Whole30 multiple times. Leah and Ben, say hello. 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 (laughs) Um, These are some of my favorite people. Leah is also in Forte, Chicago with me. And so we spend a lot of time together. And I know, how many times have you guys done Whole30? When did you start? Oh, man. Our first Whole30 was in January of 2014. And we've mostly just stuck to January. So I think this was... Five? Six? Five, six, something like that. And a couple of like partial whole there, there was one that was more okay. of a whole 15 yeah right uh, yeah. <laughs> it happens it happens that's a thing um so i figured if i was going to talk about whole 30 that these were going to be the folks to talk about it with i did do the whole 30 this year in january with leah we were in a group of forte gals that sort of attempted it together um i think i actually went through day 36 37 before i reintroduced anything um, nice. Which I was pretty impressed with myself. Like I wasn't ever at a point where, and I still, I have still not introduced cheese. What? Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't know. I think I'm scared that it's going to do something wacky to me and then I'll never be able to eat cheese again. Do you know what I mean? I had some like texture things that I avoided after the first Whole30. Like the idea of pasta was really weird, weird. to me for a long time because you don't eat anything that's that consistency. Yeah, and- yeah. I got there, though. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Pasta was the first thing that I wanted. So I I fully expected to be like, give me all the things. Give me the gluten-free pizza. Give me the gluten-free, because I can't have gluten anyway. But give me all the cheese. Give me all the sugar. It, that didn't really happen for me. I have had my fair share of sugar, though, and felt it. So that's not going to be a regular thing. Um, but what I want to ask you guys first is what was your... What was your driving force behind the first time you did it in 2014? Like, what was your reasoning behind deciding we're going to do this? So we were pretty new to Chicago. We moved on November. We got here on November 3rd of 2013. Great time to move to Chicago. Just the start of winter. Really the best time of year to really <laughs> mm-hmm. just appreciate things. <laughs> it was a good winter to move. Oh, too. Polar yeah. Vortex takes, mm. takes us way back. Yes. Um, the first edition. First edition. <laughs> Polar <laughs> Vortex 1. <laughs> so Ben was working from home. I was uh, pretty, pretty gleefully unemployed at that point still. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I just wanted to do something different to kind of shake things up. It was cold outside. Um, I wasn't working, so I had a lot of free time to read the internet. And um, I had read about a Whole30 before, and my my first reaction had been almost like she describes in the book to get, like, upset about it. Uh-huh. Like, I don't, how, how dare she, you know, you can't, I can't, could never do that. That's ridiculous. Right. And I came back to it, and I was reading it, and I thought, you know what? This actually sounds like a really great 
challenge for me right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of going a lot going on professionally. I'm still getting to know a new music scene, but this would be something that might be really nice to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it's always easier for two people to eat the same thing yeah. than one. That so makes I a lot of sense. Kind of get bent into it. <laughs> so she roped you into it. Is oh, what absolutely. She's okay. Yes. Yeah, right. that, that's very true. Without too much protest, I'm assuming? Um, no, yeah. Maybe I mean, I some was, protest? <laughs> um, like, like Leah said, it's always easier for two people to eat the same things. And yeah, um, yeah I uh, I don't recall that I... Did I protest very much? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pretty much just came along for the ride the, the first time. Mm-hmm. And did you guys make, make it all the way through the first time? We did. Um, yes. Yeah, the first one was really solid. I uh, got a job... Actually, right before we wound up starting, because we planned for a little while. Mm. And uh, Smart. So, but I was at home for like the first three or so weeks of it, which made it easy and took pictures of all my meals. I still got them. I look at them for reference. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard, but it wound up being ultimately easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I found that obviously I hadn't done it before this year. I have done an elimination diet before. Um that was uh, three, almost four years ago, I think, when I was first diagnosed with Hashimoto's, PCOS, all that wonderful stuff. Um, they had me do what they call a metabolic detox slash elimination diet. Mm. And that was the most miserable 30 days of my life because they they gradually take things away from you, which I think they do that to make it easier, but it's not easier that way. It, it makes it worse because then you fi- it's like every day you can eat less and less food. And then you find yourself for probably the, the middle two weeks of it eating basically nothing but lettuce and fish. <sighs> like I remember loading up on, you know, various kinds of frozen fish and just and I couldn't have butter and I could only have certain kinds of oil. So it was like, OK, I'm basically going to poach fish and eat a sal- a dry salad. It was bad. It was bad. And then they made me take have these shakes for extra nutritional supplementation, but they were rice-based, which I fa- thought was weird because the rest of the diet didn't allow rice. Or it, But yeah. as many rice shakes as you... Yeah. Well, there's three. You had to have three a day. And they tasted awful. They tasted terrible. I've had my fair share of like protein shakes in my life. And I know the ones that I like. And this one was not good. There was no saving it. No blending it with anything could save this chalky disgusting rice based thing so after doing that i understood better what it was my body didn't like because i did have to reintroduce things very slowly you know that's how i discovered okay nightshades and me we don't we don't get along nightshades don't like me so i should probably avoid those a little bit and gluten obviously was a problem soy was a problem dairy not so much thank god rice and corn are both okay um so I had done that sort of thing before. And I think because that was so long ago, I was thinking this year, you know, I think I need, I feel like I need a reset. You know, you sort of need to, when you battle a chronic illness and autoimmune disease, you need to like, either you're keeping on tabs of it all the time, or you sort of sh- drift away, shift away from the ideal. And it's okay to have treats, you know, that's fine. But when suddenly your treats become instead of once a month or so, once a week, and then suddenly once every three or four days, and then suddenly you find yourself eating sugar 
sugary stuff every single day and pasta for every meal and like yeah okay it's gluten-free pasta but it's still my blood sugar was all all over the place and i could feel it so that's why i reached out to you and was like are you guys doing this because if i got buddies i i could i think i could do it this time Whereas before I had to do that all by myself and I did it because the doctor told me I had to, I have to be like, what's the term? Incentivized. Um, hmm? Incentivized. Incentivized or more. Th- I have to feel obligated to sure. someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gretchen Rubin uh, has a book called, and I think I've talked about this before on, on the podcast, the four tendencies and uh, obliger that's what she calls it i'm an obliger essentially which means that i do better if i have an outside force that i have to that holds me accountable essentially so knowing that you were going to get on my case was all i needed <laughs> literally all i had to do the first time i craved chocolate was be like okay you know what if i just put some cocoa powder and some dates and some no leah said leah said no <laughs> and that wasn't but that was enough i've you been know? waiting my whole life to have somebody <laughs> tell me this you're welcome so it's always been my suspicion <laughs> that people wanted this from me but to have it confirmed means a lot oh well because you came right out in the beginning you said hey if you guys are going to break the rules i'm gonna call you out and that's totally fair so i didn't break the rules and funny enough i didn't really feel the need to so um, that was my reasoning behind doing it this time. And I'm really glad that I had people. <laughs> it made it a lot easier. We've never had, like, I've never had a cohort right. for my whole 30. And uh, it got to be about halfway through. And Ben noticed that I was texting everybody my dinners <laughs> every night. Um, I, I, I knew that you all were doing it, but mm-hmm. I had no idea that there was a, uh, a text thread yes. that I wasn't a part of that was... It's still live, by the way. We still send each other food <laughs> pictures and various things. Yeah. I have a feeling makes that's going to happen that for a sense. while. Um, because for me, I think that I can stick fairly close to this for long term. Not that it's meant, and we'll get to this later, it's not meant for that. But I do think that by, I think it was about last week was when I finally started to feel what I assumed they meant by tiger blood. So I didn't get that during the 30 days. But again, I autoimmune diseases make everything weird, right? So it's possible that my body just had a lot of adjusting to do. Sure. So last week I realized I was like, I feel pretty freaking awesome right now. And things that, what gets me the most is daily tasks that aren't hard, but you find yourself going, I just don't. How can I avoid doing that? You know, like, oh, we need to make special. I need to make special salads at work. I don't really don't want I don't have the energy for that. How can I avoid doing that? I'll just I'll just say I don't have time. You know, like little things like that, that I f- found myself not feeling that way uh, last week is about when it hit and just doing the things. And every day I'm just doing the things that normally I would be like, can I put this off till tomorrow? Maybe I'll do it next week. That's not a thing anymore in my brain, which is a big shift for me. So I think as far as like I have reintroduced certain things and I'm okay with corn and I'm okay with rice and I'm okay with sugar, but very small quantities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I learned that the hard way. We had a a Forte meeting and, and the director brought cupcakes and I ate three. Oh, no. Ooh. Why? Why did I eat three? I must not have had enough for dinner or something. But I and they were gluten free. 
but it didn't bother me until the next morning when I woke up with a massive headache. Mm. Like, okay, so there we go. That is not a thing that I need to be doing. Hardly ever. And that's okay. Sugar, I think, of all of the things that are reintroduced, that's what hits me the hardest. Yeah. Too is, And it's immediate for me. Oh, really? Uh, particularly, I think, you know, the tendency is, oh, well, we're reintroducing stuff, so let's have dessert. Uh-huh. Let's have dessert. And yeah. then it's two in the morning and I'm still awake. Oh, Just, no. Sugar. Yep. I'm up. <laughs> yep. My, my coworker, Brandon, he did Whole30 last year. And he told me before we did it this year, he said, load up on bananas and Lara bars because those are going to save you. And I thought, well, those aren't ideal foods if you're trying to change your palate and change your way of eating. So I didn't buy any of those, either one. And I didn't eat any the whole time we were on Whole30. So I told him that and he said, how are you surviving? I said, well, I think that maybe my sugar addiction isn't quite as strong as yours, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) So him and his girlfriend tried to do it again in this. uh, We were probably about halfway through when they started theirs. He made it 15 days and said, I can't do it this year. There's too much else going on. I just can't do it. And all of our coworkers were like, yes, for the love of God, Brandon, please eat a donut. Because (laughs) he was just like, he he was not in a place to tame his sugar dragon, as as she says in the book. So... Mm -hmm. He'll attempt it again another time, but he knows that the sugar is the thing. And last night, so it was his birthday. I baked him a cake. I took the cake into oh, work yesterday. Oh, that was the cake for him? That was a, it yeah. It was beautiful. It's a really good cake. <laughs> it's just a, it's a chocolate cake, and I made a seven-minute frosting, and the base of seven-minute frosting is egg whites and sugar. It is far less sugar than a powdered sugar icing, but it's still sugar. And he had a big old piece for lunch. And he told me today, he said, yeah, I was up until four in the morning. Oh, no. (laughs) Why? I just couldn't sleep. And I was like, well, maybe no more cake for you. And he said, yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Because of the sugar. Sugar is his. That's his thing. Mm -hmm. I'm scared that the dairy is going to be my thing. I will say that that, you know, I had. A sneaking suspicion that dairy was going to wind up being a problem for me. Mm -hmm. When I was a little kid, I was lactose intolerant for a while, which Mm -hmm. seems like something that maybe should have been looked into again. I don't know. Possibly. But definitely (laughs) when I did my first reintroduction, I was like, oh, cool. My body doesn't like this anymore. So Uh. since then, it's been like, I can't. It's it's not even a question of like, I'm going to get sick. Mm -hmm. It's like I can't even handle like if I have cream in my coffee, it feels gross immediately. Like it doesn't even oh, okay. it, like it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Like it tastes wrong, right? Um, because it bothers me so much. But fortunately, I can kind of like pick and choose if I don't have too much, and I use I do high quality things mm-hmm. and and kind of manage it. I can I can still keep some dairy around. But that right. was a, that was a big one. Yeah, I I have had Parmesan cheese. In small quantities since so I have had that dairy and I have had whatever dairy was in the gluten free cake that I made for Brandon. I think there was some milk and some. I don't think there was any butter in there, Um, but like that, I haven't actually tested like a sizable serving of dairy Mm -hmm. and Parmesan cheese never bothered me before. 
it, it, I had a, a short period of time where I was also mildly lactose intolerant. And I think it was a, a stress thing. It was before I had any of my diagnosis. So it would come and go with my stress levels, mm. which was really strange. I would be fine one day and then three weeks would pass and I would eat the same thing I had three weeks ago and suddenly I'd be sick. So my mom was like, well, you know, it's it, it can be related to your stress. So in grad school, I had to be real careful because grad school is really stressful. So not a lot of cheese. A couple years later, oh, now I can eat cheese. Before we were doing Whole30, I was eating cheese every day. So now I'm a little worried that regular cheese is going to be a problem. But we'll see. We'll see. I think I'll probably test goat cheese first because I really like goat cheese. And some people can handle not cow dairy if they can't handle cow dairy, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. We'll see. That's that's my fear. Um but I, I really want to talk about so we've we've gone in and out a little bit about like the rules and, and the book and basically let's just state for the record, um Whole 30 is a 30 day elimination diet, basically. B- very basically put. For people listening, it's not a long term, it's not meant to be a long term diet. It's meant to eliminate certain things that can be problematic for a lot of people. And then you can reintroduce them slowly after the 30 days to figure out if you have trigger foods, what those trigger foods are, how they make you feel, so on and so forth. It's That's why I called it a reset for me, because I already knew I had trigger foods. But sometimes you got to re-zoom in on those things to remind yourself why you shouldn't be eating them. That doesn't mean putting this out there real loud and clear. I am not saying that there are bad foods. Foods are not inherently bad things. For It's just that certain foods can be not good for certain people. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, so I would love to, because Leah and I have had a lot of talks through Forte about the ideas of body positivity and diet culture and all of those things. And I would like to talk about the idea of Whole30 versus diet culture, because there are people who think that they belong in the same camp. And you and I both know that that's not the case. So um, just random thoughts. Shoot some thoughts at me. What do you think about that? I have a lot of feelings Please. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, at the point where I started my first Whole30, um, I had been on a diet probably since I was about 10 in Ugh. some form or another. And every, you know dietitians, Weight Watchers, uh, that stupid cabbage soup diet. Oh, God, I did oh, that, too. off and ah. on, yeah. Um, South Beach, just, you know, sort of any any of the major diets. Atkins for a while, but I never got out of induction, so, like, <laughs> that didn't take. It was just a constant cycle of me making it almost two weeks and then having to stop and start that miserable, Ugh. restricted two weeks over again. Um, but when... Uh, at the point where we did the first Whole30, I had been just sort of like living my life. Yeah. And uh, I think that one of the things that really appealed to me in reading the rules was that the Whole30 was about health in the sort of purest sense, mm-hmm. not just like a wellness kind of way, but that the point of the Whole30 was to nourish yourself. Mm-hmm. The rules that are really important to me are eat until you are full and don't weigh yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, 
to to look at having a month in front of me where my only concerns were follow these rules, eat as much as you need, and don't worry about your weight. Right. It was incredibly freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not about that at all. And I... I love that you encouraged all of us that were doing it this time for the first time to read the book. Because um, I know that there's a lot of people out there. You can find the rules online. You can find the basic information online and just try it for yourself. But I think that the book really sets you up for knowing exactly what you're getting into as well as knowing what it's about. And I love she does mention at one point that food, the food that you eat is not connected with your worth as a person. Which is so important for people to hear at, or or to read, to see it in print, to see it in black and white right there. Just because, you know, you ate this thing, that doesn't make you a bad person. Or the fact that you want to do this 30-day thing, that doesn't make you a better person than someone not doing it. You know, it's it, that to me was was really sort of mind-blowing that she made sure that that was in there. You know, there's so many, so many protocols, so many programs, so many diets, and none none of them state that, but she did. And I think that if you're going online and trying to find the information and you don't read that, you don't see that, and you don't understand that it's not a weight loss program, that you're not supposed to get on the scale, that you're not supposed to restrict your calories, it's not about any of that. It's very easy to put it in the same camp with all these other sort of dogmatic diet approaches. So I, I did have quite a few people asking me, like, well, why, why are you? I thought you were like anti-diet culture. Why are you doing this? Because it's not a diet. Um, and so, as someone mentioned to me once also, like, how long are you going to try to do this for? Like, have you lost any weight? First of all, rude. Um, yeah, right? rude. And I said, well, it's, I, got, I think I got snippy with them and said, okay, I'm going to say this once. This is not a diet. It's a 30-day elimination program so that I can figure out, you know, hone in on my food triggers. That's what it's about. It's about my health. It's about my autoimmune disease. It is not about my weight. And I'm not, I haven't gotten on a scale. And that's the end of that. And they were like, oh, so it's not like a diet. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not. In that sense of the word, it's not. Which is why I wanted to bring this up. Um, and then there are other people who, oh, I could never do that. I could never give up X, Y, Z. But I feel like you could. Actually, if I can do it, then literally anyone can do it. <laughs> well, I love how she states in the book, this is not hard. It's really not. Like, giving birth to a child is hard. That's hard work. I've seen it done in person. That is hard work and hard work that I will never do, that I have no desire to do. You know, this is not not putting cream. What, what does she say? Like, childbirth is hard. Not putting cream in your coffee is not hard. Right. right. right? I think that was the thing that really um, kind of got my back up when the first, the first reading that I was doing about the whole mm-hmm. 30 is, you know, there's a degree... To which that 
you know, that kind of language is sort of steeped in privilege, yeah, too. Yeah. And, and definitely acknowledging that not everybody is in a financial situation mm-hmm. where something like this is practical. Not everybody has the mobility right. to cook all this food from scratch. Like, there are a lot of other considerations. But if that was aimed at me, mm-hmm. then she was 100% right. There was no reason why I couldn't just eat you know, this restrictive list of only hundreds of things. Right. For a month. Yeah. right. Only if your objection is I could never stop eating blue cheese, then you, you can for 30 days. You can, you can for 30 days. Right. You can do it. Exactly. And I'm, I totally I love that you brought up the idea of, you know, the privilege aspect, um, because I did encounter some of that with with some folks who really wanted to know, well, it looks like it's really expensive. Well, yes and no. It's all relative, right? So for me, it was a little more expensive, but that was because of what I chose to eat while on it. You know, my my boss was looking at my pictures and he was like, you know, what people don't realize is that most people on Whole30 and you are vastly different because you're a cook. So everything that you make is going to look and be delicious. Well, okay, that's fair. And he said, it looks like a lot of meat and a lot of avocados. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's because I chose to spend my money on avocados because I really like avocados. And if the, you're going to give me a reason to eat them, I'm going to eat them. Um, that being said, I can see how it could be deemed as financially inaccessible for a lot of people. I do believe that if, as a society, we put more emphasis on food as medicine then the mindset would change a little bit so for example you know in this country people people want to cut their grocery bill they want to cut it down they want to cut it down they want to save money they want to buy the cheapest thing possible which is how processed foods have blown up the way they have over the last 60 years or so because they're cheaper to make in other countries like japan for example People gladly spend 40, 50% of their paycheck on their groceries. That's normal for them. They don't have the same mindset that we do, right? So my sister used to nanny for um, a Japanese family in Michigan, and she went shopping with them once because she wanted to learn how to make something that, that the mom was making. And she watched this woman drop an insane amount of money at Whole Foods. I know that's not hard to do, but like insane amount of money and she asked her how can you you don't you guys only have one income how can you afford to spend this much money every time you go grocery shopping and she said well i don't understand why you guys don't like what you put into your body should be of the highest quality you can find to her that's what was most important she said we cut we cut budget elsewhere so that we can afford to do this because this is what's important. So just that sort of mindset to me is really interesting that movements like Whole30, I think, are slowly changing the mindset in this country as well. I really wish that we could find a way to maybe, I don't know, maybe write another book that's like Whole30 on a budget. She's got three books out now, four books. Oh, wow. Well, because she's got the original 
She's got a slow cooker one. She's got an instant pot one now that's new. And then she has her food freedom journal thing. So if there was another version on a budget that maybe gave grocery lists for places like Aldi, I think that could be really freeing for a lot of people. Absolutely. Who would love to do this kind of thing. But I mean, it is sometimes going to Mariano's can be really expensive, you know? If you're not shopping at Whole Foods, it can be expensive. It just depends on what you're buying. And if you don't have the budget to buy the way that we were, then what, I mean, what, you're relegated to romaine lettuce and chicken breasts? I think one of the things that is nice in the book is that she speaks to that a bit. And she does, that's right. She really, her point is that buy the best that you You can. can. So Mm -hmm. if you can get grass-fed meats... That's great. If you can't get grass-fed, can you get something local? If you Mm -hmm. can't get that, buy it from somewhere you trust, you know, on down the line to basically say, you know, you can afford what you can afford. Even just trying to do this with whatever whatever that is for you is better than not doing it. And, you know, there are a lot of, certainly a lot of ways to, like, creatively use Beef chuck and oh, yeah. ground meats Definitely. and uh and eggs, lots of eggs. Oh yes. Yep. And but you can you can buy eggs fairly cheap if you get them at the right time. I think on a budget it's certainly probably gonna be a little bit more boring too, unless you yeah. get real creative with your spices, in right. which case right. sky's and, the limit. Which is possible, but if you're not somebody who is, you know, a cook, that can be a little tricky as well. You know, I think having Having res- ac- access to recipes that use ingredients that you buy when you're on a budget might be a helpful thing. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll drop her a line on Instagram and be like, Maybe hey. you should write it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I did, I did have a request, though, that I teach a class on adulting. So maybe that'll be... <laughs> I don't know why anyone wants to learn how to adult from me, but uh, I did, somebody did, has been bugging me about that. So maybe that will be, it'll be like a cooking on a budget kind of class. We'll see. We'll see. I'll keep y'all posted. Um, Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was, so I asked some folks who don't know much about Whole30, what kind of information that if they were listening to this podcast, what kind of info they'd like to hear. And, um, Somebody mentioned that they love to know why it's so popular. Like, what is it? Who started it? Why was it started? And why is it so popular? I can, I don't remember the history, if she gave any in the book. I do, I can tell you, um, it's Melissa Hartwig. And she, you can find her on Instagram. Or you can just follow Whole30 on Instagram. I will tell you. If you follow just Melissa Hartwig, it is just her personal account. Um, there was a big blow up on there the other day about she made she does this really cool thing where she puts um, at the bottom of her post, her caption, she puts in parentheses um, a description of the image so oh, that if nice. for uh, vision impaired folks who have something that's reading out descriptions to them, sure. it reads out a description of the image. But she also puts in extra little tidbits of funny stuff in those image descriptions. So she wrote something about these 
super bright yellow eggs and how they were from a chicken named Maureen and how Maureen had never been exposed to Fox News. And it was really, (laughs) I thought it was hilarious, but, and I, I don't always read the comments because sometimes that's not healthy. (laughs) But in this case, I just scrolled through and there were some people that were really upset about that comment. And how dare you bring, why do you have to make everything political? So all I'm saying is that Melissa Hartwig on Instagram is Melissa Hartwig. That is her personal Instagram. She says what she wants, which I think she has every right to do. Whole30 also has its own official Instagram handle that you can follow. They post great things there, recipes, whatnot. Um, But I don't, if she said much in the book about why she started it, I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't really either. I think it grew out of um, the sort of paleo movement that was happening already. I know Mark's Daily Apple was sort of like a source of inspiration. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I do know. I mean, the whole 30 that you'd follow while you're on the program, the rules basically are almost the same as a paleo diet. Excuse me. Um, As far as what you don't eat, which... Works great for some people. Again, I am very non-dogmatic about these things. So I feel that if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, cool. You figure out what works for you, you know. But I do I do know that there is science behind eliminating those foods for at least a certain period of time. And that's because most of them are high trigger foods for a lot of people. Um, whether it's a digestive trigger or otherwise. Uh, so like legumes, no legumes. Well, that can be... It can be a serious digestive trigger for a lot of people if they're not prepared correctly. And they rarely are prepared correctly this day and age. Most people don't know how. Um, So it's interesting to me that it sort of bounced out of an already established sort of long-term lifestyle, if you will. But it bounced out as a 30-day program. I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. And do you think that maybe that's why... It's so popular. Like, nobody wants to commit to a full paleo lifestyle, but, like, hell, I'll try it for 30 days. Why not? I feel like that's 100%. Well, it's a little bit like the uh, the popularity of, oh, I'm going to go run a half marathon or something. Uh, I I think it's a a challenge that you could commit to, Mm. and then it could be over. It feels doable. It feels doable. As opposed 30, to like, 30 days feels doable. Right. As opposed yeah. to changing your entire freaking life. Yeah. Staring yeah. down the barrel of like a lifetime of lifestyle changes is exhausting. Exhausting and daunting. <laughs> yeah. But believe me, when they told me I shouldn't eat gluten or soy anymore, I was like, wait, what? But I love pasta. Wait, bread? No, no. It, it was, it, that was, that was daunting. Um, Worse things have happened. It's It was not the end of my life. Clearly, I got over it. I moved on. Um, and in the end, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be to give up gluten. Whatever. It is what it is. You do what you got to do. Uh, so I have to wonder. I think the idea that it's it's 30 days and it's easier to commit to, I think that's a big big part of it. But I wonder what makes it so much more popular than, say, other quote unquote protocols, if you will, you know, other things that are also short term. I don't know that there's a whole ton of them out there. Yeah, there's uh, there's like a 21 day something that that people do. Um, OK. 
But, and like I talked about, like, Atkins has that two-week induction business before you go to phase two. Don't know what that's about. Never got there. (laughs) Like, to know. But, but yeah, there aren't a lot of... Oh, then there's that master cleanse thing, right? With the cayenne. With the cayenne and and the lemon and the... ten ten days, but sounds awful. That sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. I would much rather eat full meals three times a day than that. Yeah. I think I think it's jumping on the whole wellness train thing, right? Mm. And especially having something that you can hashtag, something that is known for being kind of a challenge, mm-hmm. something that is uh, is kind of shiny and sexy, and yeah. uh, and advertises just like how how into wellness you are, right? I think is very appealing to a lot of folks. I think it's amazing that. It has taken on such popularity without it being a weight loss thing, which I really have to praise whoever the marketers are, because that's kind of amazing in our society where people glom onto these things because they think that it's the miracle pill, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, maybe if I'm paleo, I'll lose this 50 pounds. Maybe if I'm keto, I'll lose this 50 pounds. Maybe if I'm vegan, I'll lose this 50 pounds. None of those eat- ways of eating are meant to do that, right? It's right. It, what you eat should be about nourishing your body, which since you guys haven't been on before, hearth and soul, that's what I'm about. That's mm-hmm. what this whole thing is about. It's about how do we nourish ourselves, mind, body, and soul. So it, I feel like deprivation, it doesn't nourish your soul. Now, if you're taking something out of your diet for a short term because you need to figure out if it's good for your body, that's different, you know, but it is it's a mindset thing. So I think that the fact that it's so popular, everyone is doing Whole30 these days. Like every we had four people at work doing it all at the same time. We only have a staff of 14. <laughs> so that's a that's a big chunk of people. And I think that's why my coworker was like, I want to know why everybody's doing this. Um, without it being marketed as anything remotely having to do with your weight. I think that's magical. I think that's incredible. I think one of the things that I was really worried about as I saw it picking up steam, you know, as concerned as I can be about right. something that I have no responsibility for, right. which is very, very concerned, um, <laughs> is that if you look at other diets that are or lifestyles, whatever you want to call them, that are, if you look at the science, if, you know, I, I read the Atkins book, to mm-hmm. go back to that. Mm-hmm. He's probably, <laughs> you know, spinning like a rotisserie chicken in a grave somewhere <laughs> because so much of what's in going on with Whole30 and with keto is... Is what he was... But what happened is people see the dollar signs and then you have Atkins shakes and delicious Atkins bars and mm-hmm. Atkins chocolate and all of this stuff, just like with South Beach. Fundamentally, Mediterranean diet, weird stuff with the eating a bowl of ricotta every night. Don't know. I tried that once. Yeah, it, it's it pretty was, miserable. It was not but good. But now there are, there's all, there are all these South Beach diet mm-hmm. bars and meals and everything. And I do think that one thing that's nice is... They've been pretty careful about what gets approval. Approval. Right, right. And it tends to be stuff that is really carefully in line with what you're supposed to do on the whole 30. Mm-hmm. So things like free range meats that are processed without 
nitrates. Right. And um, those seaweed snacks, which I've never had, but seem like they'd be pretty good. And sauces for things like Tessie Mae's dressings. Oh, yeah. Seems like there are a lot more barbecue sauces and things like that. Uh-huh. But Definitely. Not a lot of snacks. Right. Which it, is great. It feels like more often than not, they may have been uh, companies or brands that were doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. They just happened to have been producing something that turns out to be a whole 30 compliant right and right so, and so they they managed to connect with that well because right. there are there are a handful of paleo centered producers you know like uh primal kitchen is mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. um primal palette is another they do like spice blends and stuff kind of like pensies but organic and i don't know um i haven't honestly seen too much of a difference besides they do mostly blends uh, and they do do some sauces and dressings and things like that. But those were, I think those were companies that already probably existed that were doing the paleo thing. And the paleo thing happens to also be free of junky oils and sugars and nitrates and that kind of thing. So right. that makes sense that they were already there. But I do like, I, I agree with you that the fact that she says, if you need to eat something, eat something, but really try to have three meals a day and if you're eating enough of the right nutrients you don't you won't feel the need to snack in between meals if you have a really long day you eat a fourth meal and that's fine so to adhere to that they're not producing the snacks or hooking up with anybody that is producing snacks which i think is it's it's great to see them maintain their integrity of walking the talk Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um other than that i'm not really sure like what else it could be besides people are doing it and feeling well and then they tell other people about it you know or you know you see somebody who did a whole 30 and they have a lot of energy wow what did you do where can i get that energy can you bottle that for me no it was a whole 30 you know so i think spreading the word word of mouth is probably part of the reason it's so popular i don't know i think uh it crosses over nicely with january too since so many Um, people are giving up booze in january um just to make sure they still can right (laughs) (laughs) always good to check in always good to check in um i think uh i think it's natural to to sort of do this all at the start of the year. Yeah. You don't hear yeah. as much about it in July. That's true. That's true. I um, I remember having a brief discussion with someone who said something about how the new year was like an arbitrary celebration of a man-made construct of time or some, <laughs> you, you know, something like that. Sounds fun. Sure. And I remember thinking, but wait, I really like New Year's. I like that, that fresh start at the beginning of January. I think so many people can connect to that. And whether it's through your diet, through your giving up alcohol, through organize, you know, doing a KonMari effect to your apartment, like whatever it may be, that sort of refreshing of your life in January, I think is, is a human instinct. I feel like where, it's the beginning of the year, which means that soon, well, relatively, 
it won't be winter anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once we get through February, you know, good Lord, February lasts forever. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that something about January is like the perfect time to do something like this, you know, to start fresh with whatever, like I said, it could be your food. It could be something else. Um, I would be interested to see the numbers behind a time of the year, you know, like, all right, well, if everybody's doing it in January, who's doing it in July? Is there anybody doing it in July? Like anybody? There's there got to be somebody. Be, I think the but- the times that we did, and it was literal only like twice, I think, we did most of a whole 30 in October once. Mm. But that was, I think it was because we were going back to Boston to visit and we just wanted to like be feeling really great uh-huh. and not have to sleep the entire time we were there. Right. Um, and then maybe over there the summer. There was one in the summer. For a little while. That did not, I but, think that may have been the whole 15. Yeah. It doesn't really <laughs> take. Well, I, I think part of it may be because that was the first one that we did. You know, we have all of our old standby recipes now. We mm-hmm. Every year that we do it, it gets easier because we have more and more of an idea of the types of things that we want to eat. And a lot of those things taste great in January and maybe less <laughs> good in July. That makes sense. Yeah, if you're doing a lot of... From an economical standpoint, you know, the cheaper cuts of meat take a long time to cook. Mm-hmm. So you're eating pot roast and stews and delicious long cooking things like that that you are not going to eat in July. It just feels weird in July. It yeah. just feels wrong. Like, I get that. I get that. And I mean, I'm not likely to eat mashed potatoes in July either. It's just not a thing that I do. I don't know. Granted, I didn't eat mashed potatoes this oh, whole no. Time, I but. just realized that you could definitely make potato salad on Whole30, and that just occurred to me. <gasps> so I'm going to put a note in my calendar for about January 5th of next yeah. year, and it's just going to say, potato salad, call Angela. Potato salad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I found one of those in my calendar once. Um, this is a digression, but it's a yeah, good story. that's fine. I had this reminder for oh, the middle of August, and it just said salami and cheese no other context (laughs) and i wondered about it all year because i i had looked ahead for some reason and i just i couldn't figure it out it didn't make any sense it wasn't tied to any event and i realized that um there's a there's a beer tasting Mm -hmm. zoo brew at the uh, brookfield zoo every summer and we always go with my family and the previous summer we had had pretzel necklaces, but had thought, wouldn't it be better if they also had cheese sticks cheese and, and maybe salami. little salamis on them? <laughs> and so... Never set a calendar reminder for yourself while you're drunk in right. a tent. That's <laughs> at, a, the, at a zoo, uh, at a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> I tore myself away from sampling things and wishing there were more animals around to put a helpful calendar <laughs> reminder in. The cheese and salami. Cheese and salami. Do not forget. <laughs> Now I know. And let me tell you, we did make those necklaces and they were amazing. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. That sounds. So it was pretzels and salami sticks and cheese. So it it was, it was several different sizes of pretzels, big ones, little ones. It was, um, in particular, you can get sliced cheese that's individually wrapped. So it's not sticks. Those are long, but these are like little cheese planks. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think we got 
don't know, little little Slim Jims, I think, and uh, just strung them all together. So next time, then you'll need a second necklace. You should put this in your phone um, with a little like a little vial. That's a cat, FYI, <laughs> with a little vial of mustard. That's that's what Ben's been. He he really, you know, they. I, I want like a, a dipping sauce. Yeah, yeah. Container at but the, you at could the just bottom. put that yeah. on a, on a second necklace, right? With just a little, and then it has a little lid, and you unhook your lid, and you get your mustard, or or you put it in a little vial, and you can pour it on. And you could make you a go. fascinator that just sits on top of your head, a little mustard cup. I, like the I idea mean, of a mustard amulet. Mm-hmm. A mustard amulet. Yes. I also yes. like that in, in the middle of the whole thirty conversation, we're basically describing <laughs> a necklace of non-compliant foods. <laughs> There's going to be some cheese on there and pretzels and like heavily processed meat products. Meat products. It's like your gold medal for and finishing a, the whole 30. Yeah. Finishing the whole 30. A little and pot of baked beans for no good reason. You know, we won't talk about how you'll feel the next day. We right. just won't talk about that. That's fine. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um, anyway, so to wrap up, I think um, anybody who's listening who wants to attempt a whole 30, I, I would recommend it 100%. I think I felt really good. I feel really good now. I don't know what day it would be. I've introduced things, so I've been done. But I think as a whole, you know, she says in the book, if you get to a point where you don't feel well, come back to us. So that doesn't mean you have to do another whole 30, but you can go back to that way of eating for a few days, clean some of the junk out, and then go from there. Um for me, I think that that's a really good way of looking at things. You know, I can probably still have, I'll still have my arepas because I'm Venezuelan and I can't not. But I tested those and they don't hurt me. So I can have my arepas. I can have the corn. That's fine. But I don't need to have them three times a week. There's just, you know what I mean? So the moderation, I think for me, it it gives me that sense of knowing this is, this is what I feel like when I don't have these things at all. Um... Yeah, so I if anybody's curious and wants to know more or ask more questions, you know where to find me on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, ask the questions, and uh, we'll get some answers to you or lead you to where you can find them. So the last thing that we do on the podcast, and I just realized that I don't think we did this in the last episode. I don't remember. But our our finishing segment, What's in Your Pie Hole? So for those who are listening for the first time, what's in your pie hole is I want to know what you're eating. What are you super jazzed about right now? Everybody goes through phases. I want to know what your phase is right now. Go, Leah. Uh, This is a cop out, but nothing. And I say that because um, I... I've moved into, I started doing intermittent fasting sort of naturally out of my whole 30 last year. Okay. And this year I decided I wanted to, after doing a lot of reading, play around with doing longer fasts. Mm-hmm. So since I wrapped up my whole 30, I've been incorporating some 48 hour fasts. And I'm wow. just about at the end of one now. So nothing, nothing but water and coffee. So much coffee. And I just uh, gave you donuts. I'm sorry. No, those are for later. Okay. <laughs> this is my reward. <laughs> So that's what I'm into right now is nothing. Nothing. That's fascinating. You know, we might have to do another podcast about intermittent fasting. That's super interesting. Because it's a really, it's another thing that's, it's real big right now. And I would love to talk about why it's so popular and maybe why it's good for some people and not for other people. I think that's so a good idea. So I might have you back for that. All right. Since since you have some knowledge. Um, 
Ben, what's in your pie hole? Uh, well, I actually also haven't eaten anything in 48 hours, but oh, I think that... You're such a good hubby. Shortly, <laughs> listen, I'm just along for any experiment, basically. <laughs> what are we doing? Let's okay. try it. But um, I, I wouldn't have said this at the beginning of the conversation, but now at the end of the conversation, I think it's going to be a pretzel necklace with some mustard <laughs> dipping sauce. I'm going to leave this room and go and find that. Go and find that with pretzel, pretzels and, and mustard. Yes, I, I I wish you luck on your journey. <laughs> it feels like in the Midwest that shouldn't be that hard to find. Uh, oh, I don't it, think it'll be Chicago. that hard to find. This is Chicago. It's out there. It's yeah. out there. Yeah. The you, problem is that the pretzel necklace with mustard store closes at 730. Oh, oh, oh no. Darn you, Chicago. <laughs> I mean, you might end up finding like the big pretzels, like the soft pretzels. Oh, I thought that was assumed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I definitely you know meant be really cool pretzels the size of my head is if in instead of form. rolling them into the pretzel shape, they just took the strands and just braided them into a big braided necklace of pretzel dough. Oh, so it's like one of those candy necklaces you yeah. get at Halloween when you were a kid, where you could just eat the, the yeah, pretzel but necklace. Yeah, but it's pretzel yes. dough. Yes. Yeah. That that. It, if you don't find that, you let me know and I'll figure out how to make you one. Okay, let's do that it. That <laughs> will happen. Um, so I am super into, um, well, two things actually. One, pulled pork because Mariano's had a sale last week on pork butts. And I bought a six pound. That's a lot. It's a lot. Of, I live alone, folks. That's six pounds of, of pork is a lot of pork. But I put it in my Instant Pot Shout out to Instant Pot. I could still use some sponsors. Um, and it was just with some seasonings and some beef stock and cooked it and shredded it up. And I've been eating it pretty much every day for a week. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. It's really good piled on top of some roasted veggies or some sweet potato and then with a squirt of barbecue sauce and you're good to go. Um, but the other thing that I'm adding to that pulled pork that I'm super into right now, and I don't know why I did not know about this before or why you, Leah, didn't tell me about this before, because I know that you do this too. Marinated onions. Oh, yeah. So I've been making them. You thin slice. I use red onion. I don't know if you do too, but. I go back and forth. Okay. Um, and I put mine in a mixture of olive oil and citrus, whether it's lemon juice, lime juice, orange juice. I'm partial to lime and orange right now. Mm. And then some seasonings. Like I think at home, the ones I had at home, I put some some oregano, some roasted, granulated roasted garlic and black pepper. I think that was it. Um, oh, hello, kitty. And you just let them sit like at room temperature for an hour or so, a couple hours maybe. And then I put them in a jar and I've just been eating on them. And I made them at work. Because somebody accidentally chopped some onions the wrong size for our sandwiches. So, well, what am I going to do with all these red onions? So I did that with lime juice and just like a, we have like Italian seasoning blend. It's like oregano and basil and marjoram and a bunch of other things. And I just put that in there with some salt and pepper. Ooh. And I then made, and this was a, a freak accident that happened to be brilliant. I made a corn chowder with hatch chilies as one of our soups. And it's really rich, it's really creamy, and I thought, what kind of topper could I put on here that would really help contrast this this creamy richness? So I pulled out the onions and I put some on top, and mm -hmm. 
mind-blowingly good. Like That's what I'm into now. That's, a that's whole different thing. soup. So we have been serving at Spoken Cafe a corn chowder with topped with marinated onions. So now I've got marinated onions at work. I've got marinated onions at home. I'm eating marinated onions like twice a day, and I'm real happy about it. <laughs> I'm really thrilled with it. So, um, Daniel, since you've been uh, our producer, Dan has been sitting in the corner chiming in now and then. Do you do you have a do you have a pie hole story for us? We can finish off with. Yeah, steal a mic. I really have been doing a lot of because it's been frozen pizza season. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of tombstone the dough. I make my own pizza dough usually. Yeah. But I, I've been getting a lot of those things that you get. They're like ready-made doughs. Like uh-huh. they're not actually doughs. They're just like terrible. They're terrible trash. Whatever, <laughs> Mama. I don't even know what it's called. But anyway, they're just like <laughs> like cheap things that I can just throw some quick sauce and vegan cheese and whatever toppings I can find and call so it that, a day. Just so that I can like quick eat. But I've bought those like three times in the last two weeks so i've had like six of those pizzas just because i've been freezing cold and hungry and working a lot and need to make something quick you just need food yeah i get that i get that that's why i was so excited about this pork because it cost me nine dollars for six and a half pounds nice and it's been over a week over a week every day sometimes twice a day so you know Normally, I don't love leftovers more than like maybe two times, but when you can take something like pork and do it in a variety of different ways, then it's not so bad. Takes a while to get tired of pulled pork. It really does. It really does. And when you've got different, like I said, you've got different things you can eat it with. Like tonight, I've got some tortillas that I can eat now, so I might make tacos. Nice. I miss Taco Tuesday, so I might as well. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, that is that is the end of our episode today. Thanks so much for listening. Hit me up on social media if you have any questions, thoughts. Don't give me your concerns because I don't care. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, concerns are welcome to an extent. But really, I just love to hear from you. So find me on social media and I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>